The Bear, First Draft, a short story by Parker Duke. Chapter One, Boots and All. I couldn't sleep. I wanted to, but I couldn't. I guess part of the reason was I had all my clothes on, including my new boots. I went to bed like that. And let me tell you right now, if you want to get a good night's sleep, take off your boots. Still, I wanted to be ready in case we hit the road early like my dad talked about the night before. Jack Sam, he said, we've got to get to bed early tonight. We have a big day tomorrow. Grandpa's going fishing in the morning and said he'd wait for us if we get there early enough. Sam, I bought some new bait that we can try to catch Big Frank with. Dad must have been excited, too, because he said it about 50 times over dinner, even though I'm pretty sure we agreed to it the first time. What I couldn't figure out is why Mom seemed so excited for us to go, too. Didn't she know that all three of us were going to be gone starting tomorrow for a whole week? With us gone, she isn't going to have anyone to cook for, nobody to play catch with, and she sure as hell won't be able to figure out any of the sports games on TV without us there to answer her questions. What was she doing smiling like that? Just like Dad said after I found him sleeping on the couch one morning. Sometimes, Sammy boy, women can be hard to understand. Just in case you were confused, Big Frank is a huge catfish that lives at the bottom of a fishing hole in the back of my grandpa's farm. My grandpa named him Big Frank because the catfish kind of reminded him of a huge dumb kid in his class that was named Big Frank. Grandpa also said Big Frank the kid was touched and that he died a long time ago after the tractor he was driving ran over him. Now I can figure out a lot of things, but I have yet to figure out how you can run yourself over with a tractor that you are driving. Jack said that if there were any pigs around, they would have eaten Big Frank's guts. He said that if you get run over by a tractor, your guts are probably going to be hanging out all over the place and that pigs will eat some gross shit if there's nobody around to stop them. I haven't ever seen any pigs in a cornfield, though, so I imagine Big Frank's guts were safe and Jack just likes making up gross stuff about guts being eaten. I sat up in my bed. I looked over at my alarm clock. It said 517, and the little red dot was next to the AM. Just in case you were wondering, I figured it out myself one morning. The AM means after midnight. I could tell my brother Jack was up too because his room is right next to mine and I could hear him moving around in there. I looked at my tackle box by the door and wondered whether I could do anything with it that I hadn't done the night before. I decided I probably shouldn't start messing with it though, just like I shouldn't take my boots off, because I wanted to be ready to go. I shut my eyes and pictured how it would go in my head. My dad would walk down our hallway, knock on my door and say, Sam, time to go. Let's get this train moving. Then he'd knock on Jack's door, but before he could say anything, he would look over and see me step out of my room, completely dressed and ready to go, boots on and all. He'd nod to me, and I'd give him the cool nod I've been practicing right back, without looking too excited to go fishing, because that ruins the cool part. Dad would then turn back to knock on Jack's door, but the door would open before he could knock, and Jack would be standing there, completely dressed and ready to go, too. Dad wouldn't say anything. He would smile, give us both a nod, and we would all three walk down the stairs, straight through the kitchen where Mom would say, You boys have to eat breakfast before you go. And Dad would say, Courtney, these young men were ready to go the minute I knocked on their doors. Sam was so ready, he even slept in his boots. Didn't you, Sam? And I wouldn't say anything. I would just look at her, and when she looked at me, I would nod my head just a little bit, 
as to mean, yeah, I slept in my boots. Then Mom would nod her head just a little bit back at me and say, you guys better go. This healthy breakfast would only slow you down. Take these candy bars and eat them on your way. She wouldn't even cry or tell us how much she's going to miss us like she always does before we go to Grandpa's for the week. Then we would jump in Dad's truck and burn rubber the whole way out the driveway. You were probably thinking, wow, that would be awesome. And I'd have to agree with you because it would be awesome. I looked at my bedside clock and only ten minutes had gone by. You were probably saying to yourself, why doesn't he just go ahead and see if his dad's ready? Well, I would if my dad hadn't told me just last week that if I came into their bedroom again before six, the you-know-what would hit the fan. I know he meant that shit would hit the fan because I'd heard him say it a hundred times. Not in front of me, mind you, only when he thought I couldn't hear him. He gets in trouble if he cusses in front of me, just like I get in trouble if I cuss in front of him. We both cuss quite a bit, even though I'm just a little kid. I figure I got good at cussing from being around the guys that work for my dad. They are great at cussing, especially a super tough little angry guy named Arthur, who everybody calls Shorty. When you were a kid, though, you can't cuss out loud. You have to cuss in your head, or else you'll get in a shitload of trouble. Just in case you were confused, like I used to be, when he says the shit will hit the fan, he is using a saying. Sayings, until my mom explained them to me, really confused the hell out of me. Shit won't really hit a fan if the shit hits the fan. I found out about sayings over a year ago. I was in the hallway outside my dad's office waiting for him to play catch when I heard him say the shit was definitely going to hit the fan, and it was definitely happening today. Well, who wouldn't want to see that? I ran into the living room and was surprised to see my mom was reading a book in front of the only fan we own. It was a fan we had in the living room window in front of my dad's chair. Well, I started thinking about the whole thing and couldn't help laughing. When mom asked me what I was laughing about, there was no way I was going to tell her. I couldn't stop laughing, and then she started laughing too, and I bet we both laughed together for at least an hour straight, even though she didn't know what we were laughing about. Well, after I stopped laughing, I started feeling guilty. My mom was definitely going to get shit all over her if I didn't tell her to move out of the way. But I got over that pretty quick. Like my dad says, one of the great things about mom is she enjoys a joke just as much as the next guy. After another ten minutes of nothing, I ran out to the porch to see if there wasn't a cow or one of Mr. Bugna's dogs in front of the window. I closed my eyes and pictured it in my head, and it made me laugh even harder. If my teacher could see the sight that I could see in my head, she would say, Wow, Sam, that is spectacular. She uses the word spectacular quite a bit, and in this instance, I would have to agree with her. After about another 20 minutes, I pretty much gave up and asked Mom if we had any other fans around that I might not know about. She wanted to know why, and I told her because I wanted to see what it looked like when shit hit it. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Well... It turns out the shit is going to hit the fan is a saying, which means there is going to be a whole lot of trouble. Trouble as in I end up with soap in my mouth and dinner in my room while my dad gets yelled at in the kitchen. If you were to ask me for advice on what to do if you hear the shit is definitely going to hit the fan, I'd go ahead and start running. I bet you're probably thinking, sayings are confusing for me too. I don't blame you. It turns out I was using sayings even before I knew they were sayings. Like when I said I thought of shit actually hitting the fan cracks me up. I don't get cracked up. I'm just laughing. <laughs>
Jack and I made a saying, too, staring icicles, which is totally cool, and it might be my favorite. Another saying my dad uses is, all bets are off. You would think that when the boss or the person in charge, such as my dad, says all bets are off, that the bet you currently had with your brother was automatically off. And you would also feel pretty good if you knew that you were going to lose that bet, especially if you wouldn't have to clear the table and wash the dishes and dry them off and put them away. But that's just not the case. Just in case you were confused, the only person that can call off a bet is the person who's winning or the person who is tougher, which in most cases is going to be my dad. My dad once stared down a real-life bear, and that's the honest truth. So when my dad says, all bets are off, I think he means, as far as I can tell, that the rules no longer apply and that what the tougher person says goes. If not, the shit is definitely going to hit the fan. Chapter 2. Grandpa's Farm Going to my grandpa's farm with the men, my dad and my brother, is my favorite part of the summer and we do it every year. My dad doesn't work that week, which is great. Dad has to work all summer, every summer. Can you believe that? My mom says it's a vacation for her too, but I figure that must be a saying because like I told you already, what in the world is she going to do for a week without us? When she comes up at the end of the week, she always says she misses us terribly and cries even though she's happy. Even though I don't miss her when I'm fishing or chucking apples against the big oak in back of the barn, as soon as I see her, I remember that I missed her terribly too without even knowing it. My brother Jack says it's silly of me to be so excited to go to Grandpa's farm because we already live on a farm. It doesn't bother me, though, because I could tell just by talking to him last night that he was just as silly as I was. Grandpa's farm is way, way better than ours. It has actual farm animals, two ponds to fish in, and it's where Jack and I were born. My dad was born there, too. Apparently, before Jack was born, my mom put up a big fuss about giving birth to him on a farm instead of a doctor's office or a big hospital. But after Dad talked her into it, she said she wouldn't have it any other way. The lady that delivered us still lives down the road, and when we see her, she acts as if she could care less. Can you believe that? I would think that it's a pretty big deal to deliver babies, and that if you delivered me and Jack both, you would want to ask us questions about how we were doing in school, were we catching any fish, and if we play sports and all. I heard Grandpa whisper to Dad after we saw her once that she has something stuck up her butt, which would explain why she keeps getting fatter. Grandpa's farm is a lot smaller than ours, and Grandpa is the one that does all the chores. On our farm, my dad works mostly in a building at the front of the property and pays a bunch of men to do the actual farm work, which is mostly in the fields. We don't have animals, and Mom doesn't want us to even get close to the tractors because they are huge. What fun is that? One time, one of Dad's workers got his arm pulled clear off by a tractor, which is one of those things you'd rather see happen than have happen to you. Grandpa's tractors are big, but aren't so big that you need a ladder to get up to the cab, and as far as I can tell, there's nothing on them that will pull one of your arms off. They're all bright green John Deere's, because my grandpa says, nothing runs like a deer. My older brother, Jack, has already driven one of Grandpa's tractors, and he's just two and three-quarter years older than me. I figure I'm going to be allowed to drive a tractor either this trip or next, and I'll have to sit on Dad's lap, just like when Jack started. Jack also told me that Grandpa said he could drive the Honda by himself this trip, which would be a really big deal. In case you were confused, we call the four-wheeler the Honda because it is made by a company called Honda, and it's a lot easier to say Honda than it is to say four-wheeler. 
A four-wheeler is like a motorcycle, except it has four thick tires, so it doesn't fall over when you get off it. My grandpa says the Honda belongs to my dad and that he would never buy anything on his farm that was made by foreigners. I asked my dad, if the Honda is ours, why can't we take it home? He just laughed and told me that the Honda is grandpa's and that he gave it to him for his birthday a while back. He also told me that it drives Grandpa crazy because it's the only thing on his farm that doesn't break down. As far as I can tell, Grandma doesn't have any problems driving something made by foreigners because he drives that thing everywhere. Grandpa is retired and doesn't grow but one field of corn and one field of hay, and he only does that so he can feed the animals he has left. Dad says that other farmers pay Grandpa money to grow corn on the rest of his land, which sounds like a hell of a good deal to me. That would be like someone paying me to eat grape-flavored Big League Chew bubblegum, which is my favorite. I asked him once why didn't he just stop altogether, and he said that if he did, he would be bored to death and that a man can't just fish every day. I wonder if that is a saying, too, because I know for a fact I could fish every day if I had a fishing hole like Grandpa's. Like I told you before, my Grandpa has two fishing holes— The fishing hole I'm talking about takes a while for you to get to if you have short legs like mine, but I can make it there pretty quick if I run, which I almost always do. If Grandpa lets Jack drive the Honda, I bet you we could make it there in five minutes. Well, I actually don't know how long it would take us, but it would be a lot quicker and I wouldn't get so out of breath. One time, Grandpa let Jack drive the John Deere lawn tractor to the hole and I wound up getting off and running because the dang thing was so slow. There's also a wood shop on Grandpa's farm with tools where Dad teaches us how to make things out of wood. A lot of times we fix things for Mom, but one time we made baseball bats. And even though it's too heavy for me to swing right now, it's my favorite bat. Right next to the wood shop, there are apple trees that you can sit under and either eat the apples or chuck them into the big oak tree out back. In case you are confused, when you chuck a fresh apple hard enough into an oak tree, it explodes. Grandma doesn't like us to pick apples off the tree to throw because it's a waste of a perfectly good apple. Use the apples on the ground, she would yell at us. I always wondered how she knew we were taking them off the tree because you can't see us from the house. I thought about it and even asked my mom and all she said was, Mothers know when their children are up to something. It's a magical power we have. I can tell you right now, though, that is a total load of crap. I didn't tell her I knew it was a total load of crap, though. If she really had a magical power of knowing some of the things that Jack and I have done and gotten away with, we would both be goners by now, especially Jack. There are probably thousands and thousands of other little reasons why Grandpa's farm is much better than ours, but it would take me thousands and thousands of minutes to tell you about them. The biggest reason his farm is better than ours is because Grandpa's farm is where our roots are. My dad says it's important to remember where you come from and a man needs to make time to get back to his roots. I haven't seen my mom's roots. In fact, I don't know where my mom's roots are because she doesn't have any brothers or sisters and both her parents died when she was in college. I can't imagine not having a mom or a dad anymore. I guess that's why she calls grandma and grandpa mom and dad even though they are really my dad's parents. It feels good to be at Grandpa's, and I figure it's because the three of us are all getting back to our roots. In case you are confused, getting back to your roots is a saying, too. As far as I can tell, 
Getting back to your roots means going back to the place where you were born or where you can do some really great fishing, or both in our case. Chapter 3 Jack, Dad, and My Big Heart My brother Jack is two school grades and almost three years older than me, and for the most part I would say he is my best friend. We don't do everything together like real best friends do on account that he is two grades older than me and he is my brother, but out of all my friends, Jack is my favorite. He takes care of me when mom and dad aren't around and pretty much any time I need taken care of. The only time we don't get along is when we are in fights. We argue about who gets to do what first and stuff like that. Just because he's older and pretty much a lot stronger than me, Jack thinks that he should get the first shot at everything and that I should respect my elders. Just in case you are confused, respect your elders is another saying that I figured out. It means old people get the first shot at everything. Obviously, old people make up sayings and rules like that. But even when we are in fights, he's my best friend, which sounds awfully confusing, but it's true. For instance, one time Jack and I were in a huge fight because I had lost his baseball glove after he asked me not to use it. He said there was nothing wrong with mine, and he was right. But I knew I could catch fly balls better with his glove, and he wasn't even using it, so I borrowed it for the game. I probably dropped 20 fly balls and then lost it somewhere between the baseball field and home. I didn't mean to lose it, but I did. That very next day after school, I was getting beat up by the school bully named Kenny Johnson for no good reason, or at least no reason good enough that I can remember right now. Actually, now that I think about it, I might have said something to him about showering more often, but why would a kid who was going to be in high school next year be hanging around the jungle gym with fifth graders in the first place? Jack says that sometimes when I say things, it comes out sounding like I'm a wise ass. Just in case you're confused, a wise ass is someone who's right about something and knows they are right but acts like an ass when they tell you you're wrong. I swear I wasn't trying to be a wise ass. He really did need to take a shower because you could smell him from 10 feet away. For real. Anyway... He was sitting on top of me, making me eat dirt, and I was crying and trying to spit the dirt out when who shows up out of nowhere and personally delivers a big old can of whoop-ass to Kenny. It was Jack. Even though he cussed me out for probably 10 hours that morning after I told him I lost his glove, he still came to my rescue, which is probably something he's used to by now. When Jack heard that I was getting beat up, he ran clear across the entire school grounds, from the baseball fields to the jungle gym. And just so you know, that's a hell of a long way. Jack gave it to Kenny pretty good, too, and he made him cry, even though Kenny was a grade older than him. Jack asked me if I wanted to feed Kenny dirt like he did to me, but I couldn't because I was still crying and I wanted to go home, and also, I just didn't want to do that to anybody, even Kenny. Jack told me on the way home that he understood and it was just an option he was giving me and that it's good that I didn't feed Kenny dirt. After that, we laughed because Jack smelled terrible, pretty much just like Kenny. Let me set this straight right here, though. I didn't just lay down, eat dirt, and cry. I put up a fight before Jack got there. Who knows? I might have even softened Kenny up a little bit for Jack to come in and whoop ass. I think Jack knew I put up a hell of a fight, too, because he never even made fun of me for getting beat up or crying or eating dirt. Ever. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, kid, that's what a big brother is supposed to do, right? 
But here's the thing. Kenny has a big brother in high school named Mark, who was three grades older than Jack, and Jack knew full well he was probably going to get a large can of whoop-ass from him, delivered personally. I learned about whoop-ass from Shorty, the tough little guy that helped run our farm. He was the first person to tell me and Jack about Dad and the bear and that Dad was a hell of a wrestler and could deliver a truckload of whoop-ass in his day. I felt horrible because not only had I lost my best friend's baseball glove, he was also going to get a large can of personally delivered whoop-ass just for protecting me from a bully. I swore that day I'd sooner eat a cornfield full of dirt than do that to him again. So now that I've come this far, I might as well go ahead and tell you the rest because it gets real good. The next day, Kenny's older brother, Mark, shows up with two of his buddies and Kenny at the baseball field. I wasn't there yet, but my friend told me that Jack tried to talk to him about how I didn't do anything to Kenny, and he didn't do anything to Kenny that Kenny hadn't already done to me, but that didn't work. Well, by the time I got to the baseball field from the jungle gym, which is a hell of a long way, Jack was sitting on Mark's chest, feeding him dirt. No kidding. Jack had probably six or seven friends just standing around Mark's two buddies and Kenny who just stood there watching with their mouths open like maybe they had just seen a chicken give birth to a cow. I looked at Jack, and although he wasn't the one eating dirt, it looked like he got it pretty good too. I felt bad about Jack getting hit in the face, which is a big deal in a fight, but he said it didn't hurt one bit, and I believe him. In case you haven't figured it out by now, my brother Jack is a really tough kid and probably the toughest kid in our school. I'm proud that he is my brother and my almost best friend. That night, their dad, Mr. Johnson, who was a real tough-looking guy himself and probably five or six grades older than my dad, came tearing up our driveway and walked to the house real mad, cussing at the ground, rubbing his fists. Jack and I ran to my bedroom where we watched him from my window. We both got a real good laugh out of it, too, because he obviously had never met our dad. After we heard Dad raise his voice about Mr. Johnson tearing up our driveway, we ran like hell to the front door and saw Mr. Johnson standing there with a surprised look on his face, like maybe he had just walked into the girls' bathroom by mistake and the principal was in there. Dad saw us and told us to wait for him in his study, and then I felt sick to my stomach. We were sitting on the couch in my dad's study, and Jack put his arm around me and said, Sammy, let me do the talking, and we'll be okay. Don't you worry. You didn't do anything wrong. After they talked for a couple minutes, Dad asked Mr. Johnson to wait on the front porch, and my mom brought him an iced tea because she's a classy lady. If it were up to me, I would have had our dog Olive pee in a cup and tell him it's delicious country lemonade. Dad came into the study and looked at Jack like he was really going to give it to him until Jack told him our side and how the Johnson kids were tough bullies at school. Jack did all the talking and pretty much told him everything except for the part about me telling Kenny he might consider showering more often. Dad was obviously very upset that I got beat up for no reason and upset that there was fighting at all. I knew he was as proud of Jack as I was, though, because even though his mouth was regular, the entire time he told us all that stuff a grown-up is supposed to say about fighting, he had a smile in his eyes, especially when we told him that Mark Johnson was three grades older than Jack. Anyway, Dad sent us back upstairs, and we ran like hell to my window to hear Dad promise Mr. Johnson that nobody from our family would beat up anybody from his family as long as his boys minded themselves. 
Mr. Johnson seemed confused at first, but then seemed to agree it was as good a plan as any and politely told him to thank my mother for the iced tea. He walked back to his truck real fast and then drove it down the driveway slower than my grandma does. I remember that night perfectly, like it was last night even. When Jack and I saw how slow Mr. Johnson drove out of the driveway, we started laughing for probably a good hour or so until Mom came up to tell us the same stuff Dad had about fighting, although I think she really meant it. She was pretty much talking to Jack the whole time because he was doing most of the fighting. Mom doesn't want us to fight ever, even if we win. She ended up making both of us go to bed early. Even though we got punished, I can remember how proud I was of Jack and Dad that they were so big and tough. I am tough for my size, I think, but I'll never be big like Dad, where even the tough guys like Mr. Johnson will look at me and think, Gadzooks, I'm not going to start anything with that guy. My dad is a big guy, and everyone knows him, especially around my grandpa's place, because that's where he grew up. It seems like everywhere we go around there, they know him and slap him on the back and say stuff like, Big John, you look great. How long has it been? Too long. What a nice surprise. I'm not kidding. Even the ladies act all nervous, like maybe they were wondering if he was ever going to pick them for his kickball team or something. When Dad comes to our school, all the kids, even my friends who have seen him a thousand times, say, Whoa, Sam! Your dad is huge. Most of the time, I felt proud because he's my dad. But other times, I'd just end up thinking, are they wondering what happened to me? My mom is a little woman. Don't get me wrong. She's not little like those people you see riding tiny bikes around at the circus. But she's full grown and still shorter than Jack. When she's standing next to my dad, it looks like if dad were in a hurry to get to a movie or something, he could just go ahead and tuck her under his arm like a newspaper and run out the door. I got my mom's jeans, so I look a lot like her and I'm pretty much the smallest boy in my grade. The good part is that just like her, even though I'm not big, I'm pretty smart. I'm probably the smartest kid in my grade. Although if you met some of the kids in my grade, you'd see it's not like I'm the smartest kid at NASA or anything like that. The good part about being smart is that you don't have to study as much, so you have more time to play sports. You can tell that Jack got Dad's genes because he looks just like him, and for his age, he is huge. When people meet us and they ask how old we are, they nod and smile when I say 10. But when Jack tells them his age, it's always like, 12? You are 12? You can't be 12. Aren't you a chip off the old block? Nothing against my mom because she is great, but sometimes, like when someone is feeding me dirt, I want to be more like a chip off my dad's old block. In case you are confused, having someone's genes is not a saying, but an actual thing. A gene is a book of instructions that God writes on how to grow, and you can get some pages out of your mom's book and some out of your dad's. Last summer, I was upset about getting all of mom's genes on being little, and I told dad that I wished I had gotten his genes on being big. I'm glad I did, too, because he made me feel a lot better. Dad told me that we all, including Grandpa, have William's blood running through our veins, and that I had something that none of them had, even him. Dad said that I had a big heart, and that's the thing that he loves the most about me, and that heart is what you measure a man by. Well, I'm not even a man yet, and Dad said that my heart is probably the biggest in the whole Williams family. At first, I was confused, because like I told you before, 
My dad is huge, and he must have one hell of a big heart himself. Dad told me that having a big heart was just a saying, too, and that it meant I'm smart enough to care about the right things, and that I care more than most people. Dad says that a big heart like mine is super rare, and that he wished more people were like me. He also told me that my big heart is why I cry easier than some people, and that's what makes me special. Because having a big heart is just like being tall. You have to be born with it. You can't just want to be tall, and then you get tall. Believe me, I know. Let me just go ahead and set this straight right here, though. I never cry like a wussy. Like when you get stung by a wasp or hit by a baseball. When I get stung by a wasp, seven times now, or hit by a baseball twice. I say, dang, as much as I need to, but I never cry. I suppose you're asking yourself, well, what does he cry about? Because those are two things that make most people cry. Well, to give you an example, when our dog Herbie got hit by a train and died last summer, I cried for a full week and a half longer than anyone else. When dad brought Herbie back home in one of our old living room drapes, mom and Jack cried, but probably only for a day. Me? I couldn't stop. I would take breaks from crying, but then I'd remember something like I wasn't going to be able to take him fishing again, and the crying would just come back like a case of the hiccups. I might have cried a lot more than them about Herbie dying because he and I were best friends, but looking back, I'd say it's mostly on account of my really big heart.